0: scripture is from Matthew 13, 1 through 23. That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, not even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. Those hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I will heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in their heart. This is a sea sown along the path. The sea falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the discipleness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on a good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who precedes a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And this is the word of God.
1: Thanks, Ham, for reading Scripture. It was a long one. Um, And also, I just want to thank Paul for covering for Abe. I don't don't know where he is. I do know where he is, but uh, when Paul does it, it always brings back memories. Um, And so I'm thankful for them, too, as well. You know, normally when I open a sermon, sometimes to kind of like lower your expectations, what I say is, hey, this one's going to be a tough one, so hang with me, right? And that way you lower your expectations, and then maybe it'll sound better than you expected. But today is different. Today, I got a good one. I got a good one for you. (laughs) I got a good one for you. Uh, You might like it, you might not like it, but it's still good. Um, And, and, you know, it's... It's something I had in the works. I just hadn't gotten around to it because a month ago, about a month ago, I had actually asked Pastor James to to preach from this same passage, from this same parable, the parable of the sower. I asked him to do it because I knew that I was going to come back and uh, nail down some points that I think is important, not just for people in general, but especially for our church, sort of as a reminder. Now, you're going to hear this sermon. You're going to think, well, oh, you know, PF, he's just kind of defending himself, you know. He's going to, you know, you know, well... Maybe, all right, maybe, but I just want you to follow along with me, okay, because uh, Pastor James already went through the sermon and and I think he did a great job of going over generally what this passage was all about, right the soil, the seed and 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 the fruit and and the different kinds of soil and so on and so forth right the the the, the parable is in verse th- four through eight you know we, 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 he talked about Um, the the seed that falls on the the hard path, and no soil, and birds come, take it away. Then verse 5 and 6 talks about the rocky soil. Seeds come, but it had no roots, and so the heat came, and the the seeds withered away. And then there's the third soil, which is the thorns. It's filled with thorns, and so when the seed came, things started to grow, but the thorns choked it out, and then finally the last one, the the good soil. It produced 100-fold, some 60 some 30-fold. And when you read this passage and when you hear about this passage, oftentimes you think about it's, it's about preaching. Uh, it's about the Word of God and how it's communicated and how it's preached. Uh, and that's absolutely true. That, that's absolutely true. But I want to suggest to you that it's a little more, all right? Because follow me here. Verses 1 to 9 in our passage talks about the parable of soil. Verses 8 to 23, which is just read, at the end of our passage, Jesus explains the parable of the soil. But in the middle, you have these verses, verses 10 to 17, talking about, you know, answering Jesus. Jesus question about, uh, gets a question about, why, why do you speak in parables? And, and this weird thing in verse 13 about, well, they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. And it's right in the middle, in between the parable of the sower. It's kind of a sort of a segue, not a segue, but a tangent. He goes off in a tangent to talk about the parable of the sower. And the question is, why? Why does he do that? I think what we call this in exegetical terms is this. When you see something sort of sandwiched in between a story, it usually means the middle part has something important to say. It's not just a tangent, right? So in the middle part of our passage, they ask Jesus, Jesus, why do you got to talk in parables? Why do you talk in parables? And then he responds, verse 13, seeing that they don't see, hearing that they don't hear or understand. And the answer simply is this, a parable is a story that people could relate with. And and so, sowing and reaping and fields and seeds, you might not relate with this, but the audience of Jesus Christ related with this, right? They understood what it meant to be a farmer. It was a daily activity. Jesus is saying in the middle, he always starts something that they can understand, but he wants to move to something that they don't understand. He begins with something that they see all the time, but he moves, and he wants to move to something that they can't see. He starts with something natural, sowing seeds, but he moves to something supernatural. He starts with what material, and then he moves, and he wants to teach them something more spiritual. He starts with something that's very common, sowing seeds, bearing fruit, but he moves to what is uncommon. Uncommon. The audience of Jesus understood what sowing was all about because they did it all the time. They were part of this agricultural, agrarian society. They were very familiar with the experiences and activities and the principles and the laws and all that stuff about sowing and reaping and farming. But what they didn't understand was the spiritual truth. And so Jesus begins where they were, what they understood, but he's taking them to where they've never been. Okay. I want you to notice this about the parable. Oftentimes, in most of Jesus' parables, there are three characters, three players, right? So, for example, the parable of the prodigal son, you have the father, you have the lost son, the prodigal son, but you have the older brother. And it's the same in our passage. There's a sower in this parable, there's a seed, and then there's a soil. Now, who is the, source? the sower? And you know who the sower is because later on, if you keep reading this chapter, verse 37, in another parable... Jesus says, the son of man, right? He's talking about himself. He's the sower. God is the sower. And those maybe who preach in his name, okay? What's the soil? The soil, well, we'll get to that, but simply put, that's people, okay? That's people. But what exactly is the seed? And here's the thing. This is why the middle part of this passage is important. It's what I wanted to dwell on as we look more carefully and deeply into this passage. In the middle part of this passage, verse 19, Jesus says this, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, what is the seed? I think we're told here in the middle, verse 19, anyone hears the word of the kingdom. The seed is the word of the kingdom. Now, what is that? It's the message, a message about God's kingdom, about how to get into God's kingdom, how to be a part of it. You ever think about this? That being Christian and becoming Christian isn't just about being forgiven of your sins. It's also about belonging. It's also about belonging to something bigger, something what the Bible calls God and his kingdom. And the seed is the word of the kingdom. Now, how do I know this? Look at verse 11. To you, it has been given to know the secrets of what? The kingdom of heaven. And then later on in this chapter, verse 24, he says another parable saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed. So this parable then is not just about, you know, preaching and teaching and something there that, you, you know, you, we have to do, but it's, it's about the kingdom. Three things. It's, there's something about the kingdom. How to, there's something about how to get into the kingdom, how to be part of it. And then there's something about the king. Okay? So it's something about the kingdom, something about being part of the kingdom, and then something about the king. Look at this very carefully. Something about the kingdom. Now, when I say kingdom, I know many of you probably don't relate as much with the idea of kingdom, but the audience of Jesus did. The Israelites did. They had a definite conception of what kingdom would be like. Uh, what the king should be like. The Israelites expected a Messiah. He would be the king. He would set up a kingdom in Israel, and he would convert all these people to true faith in their God, and all the Gentiles would stream in to Jerusalem and worship him. And then the king would kick out the Romans and kick out all the enemies, and he would establish the land ruled by the law of God, to them called the Torah, right? Then he would reign in justice and righteousness, and there would be a great and glorious kingdom, just like the days of Solomon and David. That's what they were expecting, right? They understood kingdom. When you hear the word kingdom, what do you think of? You think of the word kings? You think of power? Maybe you think of authority? You think of armies, maybe? Soldiers, horses, weapons? You think of force, power, and authority, And when earthly kingdoms come in and they conquer, right? Visibly conquer with clear force. Conquer to gain a hearing from its captives. That's what we normally think of when we hear the word kingdom. But the idea of kingdom is different here in our parable. How does God's kingdom come? And you're told this. The kingdom of God comes, how? Like a seed. A seed. Not a bomb, not with an army of 100,000, not with a wave of tanks or bullets or horses or spears. It comes like a seed. That not only is mind blowing to the people that they were listening or hearing this, it was unexpected, but most importantly, so unimpressive. The kingdom of God, like a seed. You see how different the christian kingdom is from the rest of the world it operates on a different plane it's completely upside down you remember john the baptist here's john the baptist he's in prison he's ready to get his head cut off for literally preaching about jesus coming right and he's there in prison he's wondering why am i in prison when i serve the real king Right? When when I'm serving the kingdom, he had wrong expectations. And he's asking the question in prison. John the Baptist, why am I prison if I am a servant of the great king, Jesus Christ? We're the same way. You know, in times of trouble, in times of difficult life, how many times when things bad happen to us do we question, does God really love me? I mean, if you're there for me, are you really there? We wonder, we doubt. Why? Because if you love me, God, if you cared, if you exist, you wouldn't let me go through this. You would prevent some of this, this hard thing that I'm going through. You'd take care of this, wouldn't you? And it's the same question that they asked Jesus when he's on the cross. Jesus, if you're the son of God, get yourself down there. Do something about it. If you're the king, get yourself down. And let me ask you then something about this. Um, What are one of the things that Jesus prayed for when he dies on a cross? Suffering on a cross. What, What does he pray for? Did he pray, Father, if you love me, you get me out of this mess. Why don't you just do a miracle? If you're really the king, if I'm really the king, why don't you do this? Does he pray like this? No. Here's John the Baptist. He's in prison. He says, I'm a servant of the great king. Why am I here? Why am I going to die? And the Jesus' response to him is this. That's not how my kingdom works. God is asking, do you want to be a part of my kingdom or are you trying to get me to serve your kingdom? Because the kingdom of God comes like a seed. It's unimpressive. It's vulnerable. It's weak. It's not a power. It's a message. And that's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, the preaching of the cross is foolishness. It's weak. It's foolish. The kingdom of God comes like a seed and how? A message. I mean, that's ridiculous if you think about it. If you've never heard about church, if you've never heard about Christianity, and you hear about kingdom and God and strength and power, that sounds kind of contradictory. But that's what Jesus is saying, that a king comes from heaven and he wins. How? By being tortured and killed. And then if you follow him, things become reversed. Power means now serving. Strength means now weakness. Rich means now giving away. Victory now means suffering. The kingdom of God, the message of the kingdom of God is like a seed. Okay? That's what the seed is. The message of the kingdom. And it comes in completely different, unexpected ways. Now, how do I get into this kingdom? How do I become a part of it? And here's the question. What exactly is the soils? And we're told this already in verse 19. Jesus says so. It's what's been sown in his heart. James already went through this, and so I'm not going to spend too much. I want to put this in a little bit more uh, straightforward way, okay? The soils, the four types that he mentions our people all right so in verse four he mentions how he throws seed thrown, and it, and um it didn't even sink in it just it just bounced off okay and um here the first kind of person that we're talking about who listens to the seed of the kingdom is a person who just doesn't care okay This is the person who doesn't care the seed the word falls on top never penetrates and it just goes away it never gets through so this is a person who doesn't care this is a person who's hard-hearted have you ever shared the gospel with someone and you know you knew just by the look in their eye they they could care less It, it doesn't matter right and you get really downhearted maybe discouraged by that but the truth is that's expected that's absolutely expected right? How do you listen about getting into this kingdom that is like a seed through a message? I mean, that doesn't make sense to us, especially in our modern day. So so it's expected that people aren't going to get it, and they just may not even care. But it's not just non-Christians. It's also Christians. If you ever listen to the Word of God only with your brain, but it never gets to your heart, you also don't care because there's no difference, okay? That's the first person. But the second kind of person, the second soil, verse 5 through 6, talks about the rocky soil. And in verse 20 to 22, Jesus explains it, right? Rocky soil, seeds come in, sun comes out, and everything dies, right? The second kind of person that hears the word of God is emotional. Emotional. Emotions, let me be clear about this, is not a bad thing. To be emotionally expressive, Is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's how we were created. Emotions are good, can be good, but emotionalism is not so good. You see, the difference between someone who's just expressing emotion and someone who's emotionalism, the difference is one is always expressed by the person. That's an emotion. Emotionalism, emotions control the person. Here's what I mean this is what you say I feel like God is not here. Therefore, it must be true. Your emotions dictate what your true is. And then you live by what, not what's true, you live by what you feel. It has too much power. It's not that they're weak. It's that emotions are too strong. Okay? So here in the second person, they hear the word, they do it with a rejoicing because it's emotional, right? They feel it. They actually feel something. But they eventually, after trying to endure for a little while, it eventually falls aside. Why? And Jesus says so. Because there's no root because their faith was just emotional. It's circumstantial. As long as things were good, they're willing to believe in God. As long as things were good, they're willing to embrace the gospel. As long as their thing was going well for them, they're ready to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. But when things turn bad, when things go south, right? That's when they wanted to have nothing to do with it. And they fell aside, the parable says. The faith was rootless. It was circumstantial, right? Emotions are great. But it needs to be grounded, anchored in some non negotiable, unchanging, solid conviction and truth. So that when sometimes this is what I feel, but this is what's really true, and they're completely different, which way do I go? I go with the foundation of what I believe against my feelings. But because a person is emotional, it's shallow, and so takes the heat of the sun. Life gets tough, it's gone, all right? As soon as God uh, trouble comes, they turn their back on God and they say, well, what's the use of believing in Jesus, right? What's the use of praying? What's the use of coming to church? Have you ever said this to yourself? I have. What's the use of Jesus? What's the use? What's the use? You trying to use God? You serving God or are you trying to get God to serve you? Are you a part of God's kingdom? Are you trying to be a part of his kingdom? Or are you trying to get him to be part of your kingdom? You want a blesser or you want a savior? Because in verse 21, we're told, affliction, persecution cause them to fall away. Okay? So that's the second, the third point here is thorns, right? Thorns. This is the kind of people here, this is simply put, too busy people. Okay? They're too busy. They're too preoccupied with things that they're doing in life. They're too focused on here and now, and so they can't seem to focus on anything else. And they don't have time for him. And because of that, the thorn soil, their faith, it doesn't die. It fizzles. It fizzles out. And these are the people that fail to understand that The Lordship of Jesus Christ is all of life. Not just church life, all of life. But the problem with these people is this. They're being choked. Their faith is being choked. Why? Because work is too important to you. Because your relationship and finding one is too important to you. Because, you know, your family and children are too important to you. Your job, your career, too important. These things are all important. Don't get me wrong. But too important, too much time, too much effort. You have a heart for God. If you do, it's split. It's divided. Your loyalty is split. It's being choked, too preoccupied and busy. Okay? That's the third one. And then the fourth one is the good soil, right? You already know this. It produces fruit, hundredfold 60 fold, sometimes 30. Did you notice this? This good soil? One thing, and there's only one thing that distinguishes the good ground from the rest, and that is simply it bears fruit. I want you to notice this. Jesus does not say that the good ground lacked thorns or that the good ground lacked rocks, okay? It just says. It just, this soil still bore fruit. Now, what's fruit? I'm going to put it simply this way. Fruit is you hear the word of God, and there's a response of love and obedience. And you live and you follow through with what you've heard. Mark chapter 4, commenting on the same parable, says this, Someone who accepts the word of God. Someone who holds it, hears it, thinks about it, and then acts on it by faith. And the results for people can be different. Some hundred, some sixty, some thirtyfold. You're not called to keep up with somebody else in fruit bearing. You're just called to bear some fruit. Okay, that's the good fruit. So they got four fruits, four four people, four types of people. You have uh, the I don't care people, you have the emotional people, you have the uh, you know, too busy people, and you have the people who actually bear a little bit of fruit, despite whatever is in their life, okay? Now here's the point of this passage. Parable of the sower. Did you notice? Not much is said about the sower. Not much is really said about the seed. But this whole parable Where does the focus seem to lie? It's on these different soils and how they receive. And that's why I might think this might have been called parable of the soils. Not Not the soil, it's the soils. It's the focus of this parable. And the basic truth of this parable that Jesus taught is this. Christianity is in some way about the kingdom of God. How does the kingdom of God come? How do I get into it? The parable is clear. It comes through a seed, and it's received via hearing and understanding the message of the kingdom. It comes like a seed, and it's not received by force nor conquest. Here's how it's received. The kingdom of God is received in your ability to sit down and listen and hear. That's why he says in verse 9, he who has ears, let him hear. Listen carefully, okay? I'm going to say this. The results of hearing the gospel always depend on the condition of the soil, not the skill of the sower. If you hear the gospel, if it's the message of Jesus Christ, if the seed of the kingdom is clear enough, if it's still the word of God and you turn your back and walk away from it, that doesn't say anything about the seed. It's still God's word, isn't it? It just says everything about the soil. It's the revelation of where your heart is. The soil is the heart. The kingdom of God comes. How? Through hearing. So the point of this parable is what? Be careful how you hear. Now, I know some of you are thinking. Pastor Vance is just making excuse for himself. Giving an excuse so that he doesn't have to prepare so much, and he can just come in on a Sunday and just kind of say whatever he wants to say. You know, um, let me tell you, if you think I just come here on a Sunday just to speak off the top of my head, you're absolutely mistaken. Word for word is my message here right in front of me. It takes me 20 hours on average a week to prepare, right? My professor says it should be more than that, but for me, about 20 hours, okay? Sometimes more, sometimes less. But it's interesting to me that people who know least about what goes into preparing a sermon have the most to say about it. And I get it. I get it. Because the preacher does have to prepare. And there's some bad preaching, and there's some good preaching, And the preacher does have to prepare. That's absolutely true. I need to prepare. I need to meditate. I need to think. I need to read. I need to understand. I need to get ready for the next one. At least 20 hours plus. And it's never enough, I always feel like. And I know when I've done a good job. And so we need to prepare. But the point of the parable is this. It's also the listener who has to prepare to listen well. And that's not always easy. I don't know if you grew up in church, but you ever go to your parents' church and you don't speak Korean and you have to sit through a Korean service, right? And the guy is preaching in Korean and you have no idea what he's saying, right? But you, you, it's, it's, it's a marathon. You're sitting there listening and you're just like, what? You know, it's, it's crazy hard. I was in Cambodia and uh, you know, I sat into one of their uh, uh, church services. Look, for you guys, any sermon more than 30 minutes is really long okay? In Cambodia, dude, they preach for hour, hour plus, and you have no idea, and so I'm there as a representative of the church, and I'm listening, I'm participating in their service, and the guy's up there, and he's preaching, and I'm, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, and I'm looking around to see if people are enjoying this, because I have no idea, I'm really trying hard, really trying to look like I'm paying attention, and it's just torture it feels like i get it right it's it's hard to listen i'm praying for like the gift of tongues you know just like let me get me get something out of this it's a struggle i understand and in our culture especially today in the u.s everything's so visual images after images pictures after pictures video clips after clips. everything's virtual You'd have to be a really good speaker to keep someone's attention for more than just half an hour. But here's the challenge I think this passage is telling us. When you come to church, are you really listening? Are you prepared to listen? Prepared. Or are you looking at your phones? You know, it doesn't matter if you sit in the back. When you're up here, you can see everything. I just don't say it. I can see people are dozing off. I don't care. Right? But it happens. Are you daydreaming? I'll prepare myself more to preach if you prepare yourself more to be ready to listen. That's the deal. Now how do you do that? How do you prepare? Let me give you two applications, okay? <clears throat> one, uh, think about yourself. Which soil do you relate with the most? Are you the, the hard soil, the rocky one, the thorny one? Or are you the receptive one? Which one? Let's be very honest, okay? None of us are any one of these all the time. We switch all the time. Sometimes I'm hard, sometimes I'm thorny, sometimes I'm receptive. It, it goes all the way. Here's a suggestion. The more seed you throw, the more likely you are going to hit some good soil. Make sense? The more seed you throw, the more likely you're going to hit some good soil. Now, you might think, well, that means listen to more sermons. Maybe, but we assume in this passage that we're only talking about sermons and preaching. And if that's what you think, And if all you're getting is my sermon once a week, one seed, one form of seed once a week, oh my goodness, don't go through your life with one seed saying, hey, I'm waiting to see where this baby goes. The metaphor here is sowing seeds. It means getting the message across. It also means spreading it and sharing it. And I think what this means is you don't have to just listen to a sermon. You could also read your Bibles. You could also do a Bible study. You could also read it on your own, pray on your own. You could do it with your family. You could share it in your community group, your life group, your a prayer group. You could share the word of God, the kingdom, the message, the seed, wherever you go. You could receive it wherever you go. You could start throwing seed in every direction, and you're more likely to hit some good soil. Okay? But here's the second thing. Something about the kingdom, something about how to get into the kingdom, right, through the seed, the hearing of it. And the third point, last one is, there's something about this king. Who is the sower? You keep reading this passage in verse 24, the weeds, the gardener, there's a gardener there, okay? The sower is Jesus Christ. And the honest truth is this, we all have thorns and rocks and weeds in our, in our lives, maybe in our hearts. But just as the kingdom is different, so is its king. And this king, Jesus Christ, he knows that you've got thorns and rocks in your heart. But the reason he dies is so that he could say, I took your thorns on my brow. I took your rocks because I was buried under one. This is the king of the kingdom, Jesus, who gives his life to you. And this king is like a gardener. He's a gardener because you can pray as you prepare to listen. Dear God, please pull these things out of my heart. Help me to listen. Help me not just to listen, help me to understand, not just with my head, but with my heart, pull out these thorns get these rocks out of the way and give me the grace to respond to your word with love and obedience that's how we need to prepare okay now i am not discouraging you from evaluating sermons okay critiquing critiquing me Critiquing a preacher, all right? We should be discerning. Every sermon I preach, I'm trying to knock it out of the ballpark. But sometimes I only get to first base. All right? I get it, all right? And you can tell me if you didn't get it. I just want to encourage you. I think what this parable is talking about, the amazing thing, is that this kingdom and being part of it comes through a hearing, which is a little weird, And so there's a responsibility that all of us, including myself, have that we need to hear well and prepare our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We say that, Lord, we understand that. Those of us who've been in a church for a while, we know it ought to be something important to us because it's what you've given us, not only to help us to grow and to live, but also, Lord, to give us what we need the most, that is your seed of the kingdom, the message of what we call this gospel, this uh, strength and power and, and ability that comes through something so mundane and so plain and so unimpressive, through someone preaching and through someone listening. As mundane as it is, as ordinary, as routine as it might sound, we pray, Lord, that your spirit and your power will work through the ordinary, and that through these, you will do the work that we pray and ask for. You will bring us closer to yourself, You will allow us to learn, to grow, to mature. And you, will, Lord, will raise us and mature us to bear the kind of fruit that only you can produce in our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray, not just for those who preach and teach, not just here on the pulpit, but, Lord, in our Sunday schools, with our children, uh, Bible studies, whatever it is, We also pray for ourselves that we ask that, Lord, our hearts would be more and more soft, ready to hear, even if it means to struggle, to struggle to hear and understand. We trust you are doing the work in our hearts. For your word does not go out in vain. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.